0: Hello, and welcome to the next in my series of studies in John's Gospel. We found our way to John chapter 10, verse 10, which is one of my favorite verses, a verse I've been looking forward to as I've been thinking about John's Gospel for some time. Jesus says that he has come to bring life, and I've always known the phrase life in all its fullness, the fullness of life. It's a phrase I've loved, it's a phrase I quote often. I think it's a really important idea. However, When I came to prepare this study and to think a little bit more about it, I suddenly had the moment where I thought, I don't know what that means. I've glibly said for years, oh, Jesus has come to bring life in all its fullness. But then when you drill down, what does that actually mean? You might like to pause the podcast here or pause the video and stop and jot down what you think life in all its fullness actually looks like. What are the qualities? What does he mean by this? Well, I'll come to my thoughts in a moment. The context is as Jesus is talking about the good shepherd. He's talking about the gatekeeper who uh, looks after the sheep as opposed to the thieves and the robbers who try to harm the sheep. The sheep go into a clo enclosed pen at night where they are kept safe, but they can't stay there all the time because it's too enclosed and they won't grow and it's uh, like being in some sort of fa- uh, factory farm. They have to go out onto the hillside during the day, by the rivers, and they might enjoy good pasture and good water. And he says that the shepherd is the one who leads them out. The shepherd is the one who they follow because they know his voice. And we've explored over the last few sessions about what it means to know the voice of God. And so we come to this verse. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Now, then he says something remarkable because he's no longer talking about the shepherd or the gate or the gatekeeper. He says, I. I have come, meaning Jesus. And that in itself is a bit of a radical thing because he's going to say in a few moments that he is the shepherd. And you'll know from Psalm 23 that the Lord is the shepherd, So Jesus is really uh, making quite a bold statement. I have come, he says, that they may have life and have it to the full. Life in all its fullness. Literally the idea is life and more. Life that's so full it's overflowing. Life plus. So what does that mean? Well, I began to think what it means just to be alive. What is the difference between life and death? Something that's living and something that is dead, what's the difference? It seems to me that something that is alive is growing, it's developing, it's changing. There is activity, it can move, it can uh, uh, breathe, if you like. It will have feelings, and it has a future. So that's life. But Jesus is saying that he has come, that that might be the minimum, that he wants us to have much more than those things. He wants us to have a full life. And as I read the New Testament, and as I read around the words of Jesus and the way that the Bible describes life, describes eternal life, I want to suggest seven things that are perhaps in the mind of Jesus when he talks to us about having a life that is full to overflowing. And there is a journey and a progression. One follows the other. So the first aspect of life in all its fullness is freedom from guilt and regret. And it's very clear in the New Testament that Jesus came to set us free from our sins and from the things that we do wrong. He came to wash and cleanse our consciences. He came to set us free from the slavery and the chains that our wrongdoing creates for us. Life is to know that we are forgiven. It's not that we're excusing ourselves or that we're pretending we haven't done anything wrong. But it's being able to bring our sin to Jesus and allow that to be taken on the cross and for him to have set us free from the guilt, the shame, the, the, the burden of what we've done wrong, to be released, to be a different person. And that's a really precious thing. Those who can't forgive themselves, those who can't receive forgiveness, live in a tiny box, in a trap of self-recrimination and self-loathing. And Jesus is saying that full life is to be free from that. It's to acknowledge and know that we were imperfect. It's not to be able to have avoided doing things wrong, but it's to be cleansed from them, to be set free from the stain, from the pain. All of us have stuff in the past, regrets and hurts that we have caused and that cling to us. And Jesus wants us to have a life that looks forward, that is free, that sets us free. And that leads on to the second part of life to the full. And I believe it is this sense of knowing that we are loved and valued and that that gives us a self-confidence and a self-worth. John tells us that their father has lavished love on us that we might be called his children. We are not simply his servants. John even uh, records Jesus as saying that we are his friends. And the life that Jesus brings is a life knowing that God is, incredibly and infinitely values and loves and cares and cherishes us. He wants us. He wants us to be in his presence. We belong to him. He values us. He's created and shaped us. We are not worms. We are not despicable. We are not terrible beings. We may have done terrible things, but that's where the first part of life in all its fullness comes, where we are cleansed. And the second thing is to know the rich the depths the riches the depth of God's love for us that is beyond understanding that is higher than the highest skies that is deeper than the deepest oceans that is wider than any expanse of the horizon this is the depth that Jesus has for us and that God uh, because of Jesus has for us So life that's overflowing is a life that's free from guilt and shame that leads to a sense of knowing our value and our worth. And that leads to a confidence and a contentment. Paul says that he has learned to be content whatever the circumstances. He knows what it is to be in need. He knows what it is to have plenty. And the life that Jesus wants us to have is the life that has no more envy. That's not grasping for what we don't have, but is content with what we do have. It's a peace, a peace about who we are, a peace about what we do, a peace about our gifts, a peace about our opportunities, a peace about our resources, a peace about our place in society, a contentment that we are shaped by God to be the people he wants us to be and that we are in the right place in the jigsaw puzzle. So this fullness of life is that we are forgiven, that we are loved, and therefore we are content. And we're not striving and yearning and pushing after some other achievement, some other status, some other way in which people will appreciate us, some other uh, possession. And that leads us into the fourth Aspect of life in all its fullness, which I'm going to call relational security. In other words, that we know we are loved and we love, and we feel secure in loving and being loved. We are surrounded by people who we care for and who care for us. We live out 1 Corinthians 13 love is patient, kind, does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. And this is the life that Jesus wants us to have. This is the life that Jesus has brought us to being. This is the life of heaven. This is eternal life where we live in complete harmony and unity and care with other people. We're not grabbing from them and they're not grabbing from us. Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And this is the life that Jesus has come to bring. He brings it through his forgiveness. He brings it through his value and love and price paid upon, put upon us. He brings it by giving us contentment and he brings it by teaching us how to live relationally with each other, how to live in community, how to live in church, how to live as God intended us to be, how to live in family. And out of this then is the uh, fifth element of life in all its fullness, that we have meaning and purpose, that we know what we're about each day. We know why we breathe. We know what God wants us to do in the big picture. Paul says in Ephesians, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And so the contentment that comes when we live well with other people and we know our gifts and we know our skills and we know our resources and we're satisfied with them all is that we then know what we're meant to do today, who we're meant to bless, who we're meant to care for, what we're meant to fix, what we're meant to try and, and pray for and do. And that brings meaning. Meaning. And life to the full is that sense of achievement, that sense of purpose, rather than the emptiness of self-centered living, the emptiness of just trying to grab and accumulate and satisfy ourselves. All of that is meaningless. But when we give our lives over to following the shepherd who's leading us to these green pastures, It's where we are cooperating in the bringing in of the kingdom of God. And we are a part of bringing in God's purposes for the universe. We are a part of sharing his love. We are a part of the redemption and restoration of mankind. And that is life to the full. And the sixth aspect, perhaps a little bit more tricky. The sixth aspect of life to the full, I think, as I read the New Testament, is that God redeems the difficulty and the sacrifices that we see and experience and make. That our suffering becomes purposeful. It's not that God intended it in the first place, but it's that God transforms it. He works it together for good. Romans 5 says, we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces uh, perseverance and perseverance character and character hope paul is one who suffers greatly and sometimes we forget that in our sort of western easy comfortable christianity the sufferings of paul as he talks about in philippians in corinthians and here in romans What he has come to rejoice in, and he talks about rejoicing in suffering in Philippians, is that God takes his pain and his difficulty and he shapes something more beautiful out of it. And life to the full is not the avoidance of difficulty or the avoidance of pain or the avoidance of illness or the avoidance of suffering or the avoidance of persecution. No, it's being able to go through that and it not destroy or overwhelm us, but rather it actually produces good stuff within us and transforms the people who watch us suffer. So life to the full is this that difficulty and sacrifice are redeemed. And the final aspect, perhaps the one you'd thought of at first, but I think it is the final part. And all of these build on each other. And the final one is this eternal life. That death is not the end. So our suffering and our difficulties are achieving for us a far greater thing And that we have a hope that goes beyond death. And uh, Paul says to Timothy, Jesus is our savior who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality. And there's no doubt in the way Jesus talks about life in all his fullness, that he's talking about a, a life that is eternal, but that is to begin now. And Our fullness of life is a life that conquers the grave, that is not thwarted or defeated by death or the fear of death or even by our infirmity, but it goes on forever. What is life in all its fullness? Freedom from guilt and regret, acknowledgement of the worth and value that we have to God, And therefore a contentment, which leads to relational security where we live rightly with other human beings without conflict and self-centeredness. And that brings meaning and purpose. And that means that our difficulties and sacrifices that we make have a a redemptive purpose and we walk into eternal life. So the question for reflection. What full life? do we need to listen to the shepherd and follow for? What is it that we need to hear the shepherd saying and we need to follow him in? It may be one of these particular aspects of life in all its fullness that we recognize we're missing, that we haven't grabbed hold of it, that we haven't entered into it, that we haven't received it. Maybe that we haven't really received freedom from our sin, that we're still punishing ourselves and we haven't fully trusted in the cross. It may be that we haven't fully found self-worth because we haven't fully accepted the love that Jesus has demonstrated on the cross and in his coming to earth to save us. Or it may be that we've not yet found contentment. We're still envious and wanting something we don't have. Or perhaps we're still not found relational security and we're still living slightly selfish lives and not living out 1 Corinthians 13. Or perhaps we haven't embraced the purpose and calling on our lives. Or perhaps we're still battling with our difficulties and we're not able to place them in God's hands to be redeemed. Or perhaps we haven't the assurance of eternal life And the trust in the victory of the cross over the grave. I want to invite you to speak to God about the areas where you feel your life is not yet full. And acknowledge that he's come to bring that fullness. And ask him to lead you to that field, that pasture, by that still water. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you've come to bring life. You haven't come to spoil life. You haven't come to make life difficult. You have come to bring life in all its fullness. You've come to bring life that overflows. Thank you that that is your intention and your purpose in calling us out of the enclosure and into life. Help us to know forgiveness. Help us to know our worth before you. Help us to be content. Help us to live rightly with others. Help us to know the meaning and purpose of life. Help us to place our problems and difficulties and sadness in your hands that they might be redeemed. And help us to embrace and live for and begin now your eternal life. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.